gentlemen, boys and girls, and prefer not to disclose. Back to the Undressing Underground Podcast. Today is not my episode. It is the weekly bonus episode with Kim's and Unicorns. And I'm not just relinquishing control because I'm drunk and have been watching the Republican debate, or at least Sam Cedars, uh, narration, commentary of it, whatever. I'm going to hand things over to Kittens Unicorns, and then I'll talk to you again at the end. Goodbye. This is Kittens and Unicorns. Today I'm going to be calling Jennifer C. Martin, who has written three articles for Gawker. Uh, She's also a commenter under the name NotJCM. Her three articles all have religious or faith-based angles, and one of them has over 2,100 comments. So I do, it seems to imply to me that maybe people are interested in talking about faith. And on that note, I'm giving Jennifer a call. Hello. Hello. Hi, Jennifer. Um, this is Kittens and Unicorns. How are you? Hi. How are you? Uh, I'm so doing well. For all the listeners, I am talking to Jennifer C. Martin. Um, and she's special because she first began as a commenter at Gawker. And I don't know if you guys remember, but her name is... Is it okay if I say your Gawker name? Of course. It's not JCM. And for some of you, you might remember her avatar. It was like the spinning, it was like a spinning logo, wasn't it? Yes. (laughs) Oh, it drove so many people crazy. I remember, I'm going to ask you about that. And so we're excited to have her because she's a commenter turned Gawker writer. And so, I don't know, maybe you can give us some insight um, into both sides. Oh, yes, I would love to. Um, I guess another thing I would like to say is that Jennifer JCM, I prefer calling you guys by your Gawker users' names, but Jennifer um, has written three articles for Gawker, and they have all been—they've all been faith-based, correct? About one is about growing up Fundy. Yes. Um, the other one is about Quiverfall. Yes. And the third one is about uh, Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh. Oh yes, yes, Matt Walsh. Now, can, you see, can I test without the headphones? Hello. Hello. Okay, excellent. So they are working through my headphones. Yay. Um, okay, I hope that part doesn't make the podcast. Sorry. Um, okay, well, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, it's a good day. Oh, <laughs> uh, where are you located? If you don't mind telling us, like, no, without... I I used to, when I was a commenter, I used to be really concerned with like anonymity, mm-hmm. but now uh, that I write, I write under my real name, and both my husband and I lost our jobs recently, so now I don't have anyone to impress anymore. So no, we live in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, um, and. Do you do you have so you do have a husband? Because my question was, do you have an SO or kids? And yes. do they ever see your comments on Gawker? No, never. Um, not that they aren't allowed to. Uh, the um, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. They're too young to understand or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then my husband, 
Um, I guess he's just not as extroverted as I am. I really like to talk to people and get involved and and like well, my favorite part of writing the articles is actually like responding to as many comments as I can. So uh, no, my husband's just not that kind of guy. He's never been much of a talker online, but he reads all my articles at least. <laughs> um, does he, I mean, he should. Yes. <laughs> does, does he, I mean, doesn't he see what you're doing on the computer and like you're typing away furiously or like laughing by yourself and doesn't he ever ask you what you're laughing about or getting upset about? Or... Oh, oh yes, yes, he does that. Occasionally I will read him comments out loud that are really funny. Uh <laughs> He really likes the jokes that they, the really inappropriate jokes that, like, what is it, medieval Knievel oh, makes on every comment. Yeah, he loves those. I always read those to him. So I read him the comments, but I don't think he would go out of his way to, like, open up the page and read it himself. And I read him the funny articles, too. Oh, interesting. Um, well, uh, so when did you start commenting on Gawker? Now, I've been a longtime reader, but I didn't start commenting until about, last year um kinja was always so overwhelming to me as a comment system mm -hmm. that like it took a while for me but once you get into kinja then it's not as hard as everybody i mean at least to me it's not as hard as everybody thinks it is in fact actually as a writer i think it's so much easier than wordpress so there's a thumbs up maybe one of the few positive comments that you hear about kinja but i really like it as a writer and a commenter now that i use it what about it do you like? I mean, like the the way you can create posts. And stuff, yes, or? yeah, I think it's I think it's a lot more intuitive than WordPress. Um, right. I mean, I know people don't like the gray commenting and the pictures and everything, and that's kind of sad. But what do you mean but, they don't like the pictures? You know how the pictures are always grayed out. Oh yeah. I just remember back in the day when I would read it and I wouldn't comment that they would have the funniest gifs or whatever like as the top comment. And you don't see that much anymore. Why do you think that is? Because um, the, because the I mean, understandably, because Jezebel was getting rape gifs, so, you know, they had to censor it. And I, I understand that completely. Um, so, I mean, as a related question, you're saying that you prefer the system, the Kinja system, where we have like approved commenters and a gray system like you do or you don't you oh i mean there's pros and cons to it on one hand you know like i personally see some of the horrible comments you know in the grays mm -hmm. that some people i guess would be really triggered but on the other hand you know a lot of people get left behind in the in the gray they probably should just be a full-time approver but That'll probably never happen. Oh my, you, one full-time approver to manage everybody? Oh, man, that <laughs> sounds so hard. <laughs> I mean, because I think that person would have to be super knowledgeable about everything. Um, yes. And really civil and not petty. I mean, super yeah. human moderator, wherever you are. I know. <laughs> um, Please volunteer. <laughs> no. Right? Volunteer. Uh, what? Okay, next. Okay, so have you ever commented anywhere else other than Gawker? I'm a long-time commenter all over the internet, um, but uh, but it's always so different. I always jump from like one different thing. Like when I was a teenager, I was big into LiveJournal and and uh, all the social media sites, and I gay and I play and I played little text-based RPGs, not even cool ones like WoW, but like Muds and stuff like that. So I commented a lot on gaming forums. 
And and I mean, the, and, and growing up in like the the early two thousands gaming forums, I mean, everybody was a troll. Then they said the worst things to each other. I don't know if you ever were in that sort of forum, but my goodness. Oh, I have a younger Asian brother who is a gamer, and so and he used to be a v pretty bad troll when he was like twelve. So I'm familiar with, um, I guess, yes. God, the humor, let's say, of those forums. I know, I know. They just they grew up and became gamer game gators. I guess I shouldn't say that. Um, yeah, we'll try to edit that. Out. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, so, okay, if you've commented other places, why have you stayed at Gawker, and like, what makes Gawker, like, the commenting at Gawker, different from, let's say, Live Journal? Um. More than any other news site, I feel like there's a blend of intelligence and humor and like sensitivity in the comments that isn't available on other news sources. It's almost like it's just it's like having a good conversation with people and and it really feels um, you know like if you look on news comments of like Huffington Post or anything else, everybody's so awful to each other. And I mean that happens on Gawker, of course. But I always feel like there's so many hidden gems and it's just easier, I guess, to see, you know, what the people said on other comments and posts and connect with people easier. I don't know. I guess I can't really pinpoint one thing that would make it. I just maybe smarter people read Gawker. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, why do you like commenting? Like, what do you what do you get out of it? Um, I, I feel like it's a way to expand your uh, viewpoint and your opinion and, um, just see what other people, you know, it's some days it's just a good day, like just shoot the shit, the shit and see what funny things people are saying about response or see like what kind of arguments people are having. I think it's a pretty good, I think it's a pretty good, um, uh, I don't know, just a clip of like kind of the, all the parts of internet into one just like the trolls and the and the smart people and the funny comments and the inappropriate and uh, gifs but it's not overwhelming to me it feels i guess more like the re a real conversation that i would have oh. in real life no it does it does i i, I mean i'm a fan of a comment commenting section there's no doubt um what do you but specifically i guess what does JCM want to contribute to the when you comment or to the discussion like what is it what's your perspective that you bring um I have always been like you know a lot for a lot of time feeling like oh well I'm like the only religious person who comments like lots of people in Gawker are like oh well, you know I hate all religion I hate all this and it's I know it I've been accused maybe rightfully of being like the not all Christians person but you know, not all Christians are like that. So I feel like I have an obligation to kind of represent my faith in a more positive way, which is how I got started writing the articles and it kind of drove me to be passionate and just like to say like, look, I don't like the th same things that you guys don't like, but but there's um, an alternate, an alternative too, you know, for people who have faith of and, and uh, religious belief systems. I think you're the only person, you and Joe P um, might be the only people I know. I kind of feel like you guys outed yourself in the comment section. Um, 
<laughs> you know, letting everyone know. Uh, I know we talked about that conversation in our like emails, but and you don't remember it, but I'm pretty sure it was you. Um, how is that, I mean, what is it like for you as like you're liberal, you're Christian, you go into a comment section that you like, and yet the comment section is rather scathing towards Christians. How do you I mean, deal with it every day, post after post? It's just so different because in my, I mean, as as until recently, you know, I'll, I don't mind being personal, but, you know, my husband worked at a very conservative Christian school. And so it was almost a relief to kind of see just like, this is not how all people think. This is not how all people think because I had to deal with it. We had to go to that church. Um, and he recently lost that job. So... So, um, and honestly, I think he lost the job in part because I was so outspoken online, you know, under my real name and they, they didn't say it was because of me, but they just said theological differences for the reason he didn't get, he lost his job oh. at the conservative Christian church. Yeah. Um, I thought he lost his job because, I'm sorry, is it okay to talk about this? Um, yes. Yes. Had, did he ha didn't he have a beer on 4th of July? Yeah. I'm not saying that's wrong or anything. No, but. no. It was because of that. They said, they said, oh, well, you know, you had this beer, so it's clearly we had the we have theological differences. But I really, I mean, this is just a conspiracy theory. But I think it was because of me, because I just was always, you know, they if they were looking at my Twitter to look for him drinking the beer, then they were probably looking at all the other things and articles I posted on Twitter too. Yikes. I mean, people people never surprise me, I guess. So, to be honest, Gawker, I mean, the, I felt like the friendly atheists on Gawker are still more friendly than the conservative Christians that I had to deal with on a daily basis. Really? Yes. I, I mean, and, and I know recently, you know, one of the... One of the commenters who was on this podcast recently, Cheerful Ex-Girlfriend, mm -hmm. put together the uh, GoFundMe for my family after that happened. You know, she's not a Christian. She's an atheist. And she did it for me anyway. That's, I mean, so maybe I just have a lot of loyalty to the commentariat of Gawker. I do, um, too. <laughs> uh, that is really awesome. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Cheerful was, like, you know, the one who started the Kickstarter. That's really... I'm really proud of her and you. Yeah, she, I never would have, like, like, if she hadn't convinced me, I probably wouldn't have done it, and I probably would have just been, like, you know, stubborn, prideful, poor. <laughs> so it was just, it meant a lot. And, and, but uh, because I like and respect all the people, I also want them to know that not all Christians are like that, and so I'm going to keep writing religious articles. I really think, you know, I, before he, I don't know if I should talk about this. Well, I will anyway. But before he left, uh, Tommy um, really liked the religious stuff that I was putting out, and I was trying to convince them to have a like a religious blog part of Gawker. You know the way they have like the sub blogs for mm -hmm. the the vein and everything like that. And I and anyway, we were talking about that, but now they're all gone. So so who knows now? But. But the religious content that I post always gets a lot of views, so that's a good that's good news. And I, so obviously, even even if people disagree, it's still a subject they want to read about, they want to talk about, they oh, want definitely. to hear about. Yeah, I think I think I don't know. I mean, 
I think a lot of people still want to talk about faith and spirituality, maybe what they don't understand or what they do understand or... Uh, I mean, it's definitely a subject that's really interesting to me. So I was glad to see some articles about it. Um, I mean, I'm not Christian anymore, but I still am in- interested in this topic. Um, on that note, can you tell me a little bit what it's like as a liberal Christian commenter who you like you go and you comment online and there's all these scathing remarks about Christians, and yet in your real life, you go to church, like your previous church, and your congregation might not love that you are such an outspoken Christian liberal. Oh yeah, they hated it. I mean, they, they I mean, they would. It all, I mean, this is again, this is just like conspiracy theories. But sometimes I feel like I would post something on like my Facebook or Twitter, and then like they would preach against it in the next Sunday sermon. And it was such a small church, you know, you, I'm sure it was a coincidence, but you just can't help but wonder about it. And anyway, it was, it was good because it gave me fuel for my fire to write against it in the first place. And, you know, I never, and I, and I never wanted to like lie about it. I wouldn't bring it up. You know, I'm not in real life, you know, I don't want to just go up to people and argue with them in real life, you know, the way you can on Gawker, but, but, um, but like if somebody asked me point blank, I would say what I believed in. Um, like this, you know, this February, my husband and I were applying to be missionaries in Portugal, mm-hmm. and and they called me out of the blue. They had seen again something that I had posted on some social media site, and I thought I had had all my settings hidden at this point, but I guess I didn't. And they asked me what my beliefs were in homosexuality, and I told them I was like, I don't think it's a sin. Um, I think they deserve equal rights to marriage and housing and everything. And they said, well, we're cutting your application. I had been, like, learning Portuguese and getting medical checkups. And we had interviewed with them in person. So, I mean, it was just cut off. So you make a lot of sacrifices. But for me, it's worth it because I think that if I can keep writing and keep having a platform, then I'll do more good than harm in the long run. I think it says a lot about you that in an interview, I guess, where it's private, you know, and you're not being recorded, and they ask you about your beliefs, and you've been studying and, like, you know, trying to go to Portugal for this missionary trip, but you tell them what you, you know, what your beliefs really are. I mean, there's courage in that. I can. It was hard. It was hard, because you know what? If I had lied, and I had been like, no, I'm sorry, I just, I don't believe in that, they probably would have just let it go completely. Missionary trips are really hard. I've done it. I've done one when I was. Oh, you did. My grandparents were missionaries. I I kind of always, you know, I'm I kind of a travel bug, but you know, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. Clearly, wasn't that one was not meant to be. <laughs> so, are you are you not with your church anymore? Like, aren't you? I'm a little nervous that they're gonna listen to your podcast and try to ruin your life a little bit. How could they ruin my life any more than they already have? And I mean, I've had so much support from my friends in real life and my friends in online that I'm I'm going to be okay for the next couple months no matter what. And then I have some freelance work coming in. Um my husband has applied for a bunch of jobs. I think that he'll be okay. And we literally just went to a new church last week. One of the co- it was a, one of the commenters was 
I was at today saying that my uh, denomination was hard to go to, and they one of the commenters had brought up United Church of Christ. So I went to United Church of Christ Church, and wouldn't you know it, the pastor was a female. I had never been to a church with a female pastor before. No, right. And, and after and after church, they were having a uh, family celebration. They had like rainbow popcorn for the Supreme Court decision, and I thought, well, this is the church for me. <laughs> so hopefully, that church will work out. It sounds like it already is. Yes. Is it really close to you guys, or is it far? Like, how many yeah. churches are in your area? Oh, I mean, lots of churches. Oh, yeah. um, it's the South, so there's just churches everywhere, and and uh, the like mega churches. I don't know if there's any mega churches. I know that the one by my old work, uh, St. Paul's, is it St. Paul? Yeah, St. Paul Escapillion Church. Yeah, that was a huge church. Lots of rich people go there. But I don't know. If there are mega churches, they're not on my end of town. But yeah, this one's pretty close to me, so not so far away. You know, this is a random thought I had, but I wonder when rich people go to church and then, you know, during, what is it called? The, not the donation part, but like tithe. the, the tithe. <laughs> I remember growing up, like I would always give a dollar because everyone's giving a dollar. But I wonder if like really rich people give just a dollar too. Yeah, just random. Oh, it's, it's funny. That's another thing that I used to do is uh, my grandparents ran a church accounting firm and they gave me like a summer job and I would. I would like fill in people would send in like the envelopes and the money and some people would just give like $1 every week. And then some people would give like, like $6,000 like once a month. Is, were they all anonymous or did you know who they were coming from? Uh, I mean, I, I knew their names. I entered them into the system, but you know, it was data entry. So I entered so many names I couldn't, I would try to remember like, Oh, well this is the rich person who gives like $10,000 a month to his church, you know, but I entered so many names. It was just interesting to see, you know, the donations it, and there are small churches and big churches. And yes, I, it's just tithing is crazy, but. Do you believe how, it should be 10%? Like, do you guys give 10%? I mean, that's a we, lot. <laughs> we do, I, it is a lot. Well, I mean, recently we've been financially, um, Financially, but also financially, like under not not in a very good place to tie. Mm -hmm. So we usually give when we can. I, I'm not very regular about it, but um, you know, tithing isn't necessarily money. You can also tithe time. Like I always like to make stuff for the bake sales at church, or like my husband liked to play guitar. He did that for free. And I didn't know that you could tithe your time. That's so. I mean, I wish they told me that at I church. Don't, I don't know if you can. I don't know if it's like a theological thing, but that's what oh. I try to do. If you don't have anything to give, if like giving would be harmful to your finances, then in my opinion, you shouldn't do it if it's going to like endanger your children. So, but I mean, if you like your church and it helps you and you have enough money, you could help keep the church afloat. So, Ooh, um, can you talk to me about, oh, let's talk about, can we talk about Christianity, I guess, and faith? Sure. A little bit? Okay. Um, so you told – you. I read in your article that growing up Fundy, you said that you met your husband at a Christian college. Mm -hmm. um, I guess for pe for listeners, like, can you, like, describe how is a Christian college different from a regular college and, like, what characterizes a Christian college? Um, well, this is a, a – uh, I think they would call it um, 
charismatic based college and to be honest with you if you hear from people one of my commenters told me look you think your Christian college is bad like I went to Bob Jones University and it was crazy so there's levels of Christian college I would say mine was pretty moderate some of the rules they had is that you aren't supposed to drink or smoke you have to sign to something called a community covenant you're not supposed to have sex before marriage um, Wait, you're not supposed to have regular sex before marriage? Um, any, yeah, I'm sure. Okay, any, any sexual sex. Okay. <laughs> any sexual, yeah. So you sign the community covenant that you won't cheat, you won't do this, that you won't drink, um, that you won't uh, smoke, that you, it, sex was a big one. But sex, drugs, and rock and roll, basically. Yeah, and <laughs> I think I, I must have broken all of those, so... I mean, what do you think that the majority of like a youth congregation, at least half, might break some of those? All of, oh, I think lots and lots of people did. My friend told a hilarious joke. He said we would have something called convocation. It was like, do you know what revival is? Yes. Like it's where you go to church a bunch of nights in a row, and it's really passionate church. So we would have that as convocation where all the students were required to go to like. Oh, and that's another thing we had to do is we had to go to chapel twice a week. And well, how is um, chapel different from church? It's um, it's just shorter, I guess. It was just required going to church in the middle of the in the middle of the week. Is it like Friday night fellowship? I guess something like that. Sort of, yeah. It was just like you know so we'd sing a couple songs and then someone would tell a sermon. It was just like not as long as a regular sermon, oh, but yeah, you had to go twice a week. But yeah, he told a joke. He said, man, all these couples always break up after convocation oh. because they were breaking the rules and then somebody would feel guilty and then break up with them. Yeah, that sounds really, those rules sound so strict. But I mean, if you got caught doing that stuff, they wouldn't like kick you out or anything. There might be like disciplinary measures. They were a pretty forgiving school. What, like, if, it was, what if it was, um, what if it was gay sex? I know gay. I think some they try to keep it covered up, hmm. um, but I know for sure that you're not allowed to be out and gay on the campus. There's been I belong to a Facebook group. Um, uh, I think it what is it queer and straight allies of Lee University, where because I've known people who were gay and went to school there, and I don't know if they were just not out or if they left the school or what. But you're technically not supposed to. But I. I there would have been an outcry if somebody had gotten kicked out over it, and I just don't know if they have not told in a while. You know, they try to keep things covered up. What the problem with the Christian school is that they're being funded by an extremely conservative denomination, but they're kind of serving a more progressive college-age student pop. You know, mm -hmm. people who might not believe the same things as that denomination. So they they walk a tricky line. Trying that's why I would call them a moderate. I wouldn't say they're a liberal Christian school, but I they're not as bad <laughs> as some other like Bob Jones University or Liberty University. Do you guys have all the same? I'm sorry to ask a stupid question, but like, do you guys have all the same majors offered, and you go through the same like a similar process with like general education? Oh, um, yeah, I, I, I would say I received a pretty good education. I got a bachelor's in journalism, except I did have to have a minor in Bible as well. You have to take 18 hours of theology and Bible classes. And then the, this is a good requirement to have. You also have to complete 80 hours of community service because they believe in being a Christian service-based school. And I think that's one of the most important parts of Christianity anyway. So what service did you do? 
I did lots of various different ones. We went to the nursing homes a lot. We went, uh, I did lots of like, what was it? I worked at the, um, animal shelter a lot. Mm. You know, they try to, they try to make it easy. Cause you know, it's not always easy for people to just arrange that stuff themselves. So they try to have like service learning days where you, they'll take people out to go, um, feed poor communities or visit nursing homes. Um, just, you know, stuff like that. So, um, there, it's pretty easy to meet your 80 hours while you're there. Oh, okay. So this is a question. I think in one of your articles, you said that you, you didn't know, but I want to try to ask you anyways, what do you think is a good Christian? (sighs) I know. (laughs) I know that Whatever my definition is will not be a universal definition, but I would say, and I also will not claim that I'm a good Christian because I'm certainly a very flawed person. I would say a good Christian is somebody who puts others before themselves and lives by the red words of Jesus Christ, you know, um, by like helping the poor and turning the other cheek and not and doesn't use legalism to enhance their prejudices like a lot of Christians do That's you know right. and and you know people who look out for other people are good Christians and people who choose Jesus over 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 religion over over hatred over biased beliefs that's probably what makes a good Christian. Okay, next hard question. What do you think it takes to get into heaven? I'm, I know, I, I know. <laughs> I, recently, I have been struggling with the concept of an afterlife. I don't think I believe in hell, so I don't know if I believe in heaven either. I, I do believe in eternal life. I'm not sure how you get there. Um, I would like to think mm-hmm. that... If there was a bare minimum, what do you think? If there was a bare minimum, I would say that if you have tried to connect to God in your lifetime by being a good person, by helping others, by connecting to the Spirit of God, by looking to make it a better place, then hopefully that is um, that is what you would get used to get into heaven. Um, What about? I mean, I was under the impression from my church experience that the be- I guess like the bare minimum of what it takes is you have to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins so that you can go to heaven. I mean, I believe that. But if you t- go take that at face value, you know, some days I wake up and I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. I couldn't believe that, you know. I feel like any reasonable adult goes through doubt, periods of doubt and periods of faith. Maybe some days I have more faith than others. Maybe some days I wake up and I'm like, this God thing seems pretty crazy. I don't know if I believe in it. So at the end of the day, it's more like I'm making a choice to be a Christian than what I, I mean, I do actually believe it, but but I'm not going to let the belief be the deciding factor. I'm going to let my choices and my personal following of Jesus Christ's Savior be what takes me. Sorry if that was too religious. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. This is great. It's really, I'm keen to hear what you think. 
what is your favorite Bible story? Gosh, gosh. I am a big fan of Deborah the Judge because I'm a f feminist and Deborah is, uh, was one of the female leaders mentioned in the Old Testament and she was kind of like this badass girl who um, ruled over the Israelites when they didn't have a king and she brought down like war and judgment on these people and that's Old Testament God. Um, but anyway, I just I've always really liked Deborah. I thought, I thought she was awesome. And, you know, people talk about women in the Bible being really meek and mild, but but that's only if that's what you've been taught and that's what you've been expressed to. But there's other examples. Like, uh, and then Rahab the prostitute, she was a badass, too. She was, I mean, you know, got, you know, people talk about the sexual sin of the world, but God thought that a prostitute was a hero, so. I'm sorry, can you clarify which prostitute? Rahab. Okay. In the Bible, she um, Old Testament. Yes, yeah, she she uh, helped like kill somebody for one of Joshua's enemies. I think I'm sure one of the commenters will come in and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure they will. I'm sure. <laughs> um, I guess okay. What is your favorite New Testament Bible story? New Testament. Um, I really like when. I, I mean, this is a cliche, especially for like a progressive Christian. But when the the woman who had, the adulterous woman had um, had sinned, and everyone was getting ready to stone her, and Jesus told everyone, "He among you who has not sinned, cast the first stone." That's probably my favorite Jesus depiction in the whole Bible. What's your favorite version of the Bible? Like which? I like New Living Testament. Hmm. It is more gender inclusive. Wow. I don't know if that makes sense. They just have a lot of wherever, like a lot of Bible verses will say like, like all men come here and here they'll say all people come here. And it's just little things like that. And I really like, I don't know, I really like New Living Translation. But I also have this from, from when I was taking Bible classes, I have this awesome Oxford and I'm looking at it right now, literally. The new Oxford Annotated Bible with Apocrypha. Because I wasn't Catholic or anything growing up. And so I was like, oh, man, I've never read the Apocrypha before. <laughs> and so it, it's like reading like a whole new story. How does your family feel about Catholicism? Um, they, they were neutral to it. We have extended relatives who are Catholic. Um, but, you know, there's some evangelical Christians who think Catholicism is like might as well be another religion like right yeah how do how does your like the church you were with how did they feel about mary mary jesus's mom oh yeah they i mean catholics they they only talk about her at christmas you know she just was there to carry <laughs> to carry baby jesus that was her only job um so why and how did you decide to write for gawker well I was just reading so many Gawker articles. I must have been just like consuming them. I was reading like everything they put out and I was like, this is, and I just couldn't believe it. And, and I just thought, you know, I used to write in college. I could write, I've written pretty much my whole life. And I thought I could write like this. And so I was commenting one day, it was on Gawker TK TK. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And I just said, and it was just some article about some BuzzFeed editor had quit, I think, because of advertisement differences. I think her post was pulled down, something like that. And I just was like, so how do you even get a job like at these places? Because to me, it just seems so far away. Like I'm a person who got married at 20. I been taking dead-end jobs my whole life. I didn't pursue journalism after, like, I, I found out I was pregnant a month after I graduated from college. So, I, yeah, so, like, I feel oh. like I've always been in, like, dead-end jobs to support my family or, like, just I haven't been able to pursue writing like I've wanted to. And I was just so depressed. I wrote this really depressing post. And Albert Bernico responded to it and was like, look, I can talk to you about this um, I, uh, why don't you email me? So I did email him and he sent me a life changing email. He basically told me that, look, look, I, I didn't have a degree. I was working a dead end job. I was, I was at a government job and you know, I was at a government job at the, two, at, at the same time too. He's like, I had two kids. Like I was in the same place as you. And he really was in the same place as me. It was almost uncanny. And he's like, and then I started comedy on Gawker and and then I, and then people liked what I had to say. And then eventually I just emailed Tommy Craig's. And so I did the same thing. I emailed Tommy Craig's and Max Reed and all the editors probably a million times. They probably hate me, but eventually they looked at my emails and they thought that what I had written, like I had written a few test posts in my Kinja blog and they liked it. Mm -hmm. And Tommy, and Tommy told me he was like, I, he said, I like the cut of your jib, JCM. And so one day that Quiverful story broke and I got an email from Max Reed. It was like, hey, do you want to write on this Quiverful thing? And I was like, oh my God, yes. And that's how it happened. Oh, that's so interesting yeah. to get that insight. So he asked you, I just assumed that you were like, oh, I can write about this. And then I, you just posted it. I mean, it. no, you have to go through editors. You have to go through editors. You have to go through... And I've had a different editor for each story. And now two of the editors I worked with, um, worked with Max on the Quiverful piece, and I worked with Leah Finnegan mm -hmm. on the Matt Walsh piece, and now they're both gone. And Leah Beckman helped edit my last one on the Growing Up Fundy. And so I guess uh, she's my editor now, but I'll have to find out, <laughs> you know, who my, who, my, who my editor is. And they're just really really surprisingly open to religious topics. You know, I wasn't sure because Tommy Craig was like, look, like, I don't know if there's a place for religion at Gawker, but I'll try to work on it because we like how you're writing so much. I really do feel like there is not. I don't know if religion as a sub blog, the way like Fortress America right. as a sub blog would be wildly popular. But if it was just incorporated into the main page, I don't see why those posts wouldn't. They've be been popular. pretty popular. I think they're just good things to write about. Not I, you, you're right. Maybe not a whole blog, but just just more religious content and not necessarily in a negative way. I just remember reading a bunch of Gawker posts. Like I'm in, like uh, I think Rich wrote a really good one about being an atheist at Christmas, and and obviously there's a place for those types of articles. But you know. You know, there's a different perspective out there, too. I think Gawker has a place for it to be offered. I think so. I mean, let's see. I feel like with all this, I mean, to give some context to the phone call for listeners, like if they're wondering, like, what point of life are we at in right now? Right now, Gawker was supposed to have gone through a change on Monday, but nothing really happened. Max Reed has left. Leah Finnegan has left. Dana Evan has left. 
and Katie Weaver has left, and Adam Weinstein before that. So, um, yikes. I know. Can you briefly, I wanted to ask you, can you just, so can you describe that process again when you said you were emailing the editors? Like, how incessant were you? Were you, like, you were emailing them and they didn't respond to you, so you just emailed them again the next day? I mean, what happened? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I didn't email them every day. It would be, like, every couple days. I would just send them, like, really, honestly, I sent Tommy Craig's the worst subject type. I was like, whose cock do I have to suck around here to get an email response. <laughs> I love that you said that. I don't know. It's just unexpected. I didn't know how else. Christian. Like, I just imagine what it's like to be an editor and you have your inbox just full of a zillion emails and you don't want to read any of them. So maybe a fun subject title is what will get people to open your email. And so I think if I could get them to open my email and get them to read my stuff, I think, well, maybe they'll respond. And they did. They did. And it really worked out. There's this... Um... You ha- you'll have to remind me to get back on topic. I'm, but uh, I really quickly, there was this post on Clash Talk that um, referenced that. Oh, really? I don't read Clash Talk. You're going to have to tell me. It was during the bet when everyone was banned and nobody had a follow anymore. And people were like, regulars were complaining, like, how do I get a follow? And one of the regulars at Clash Talk said they found out that anybody who sexually propositions the cockroach writers like whose dick do I have to suck around here would get a follow so I mean there's something to be said about that that's what I was that's what I, I was didn't thinking. know that well I'm what? glad it, I, I didn't know that I'm glad it worked I will have to use that effort with the new batch of editors when new assignments get yeah it's a secret power though so you can only use it so much <laughs> you know, like use it. We gave away our secret, so now it won't work anymore. It's okay. NBC on his episode gave away all these secrets on like how to get a follow. It's a little bit like NBC, shut up! Like don't <laughs> be telling everyone these secrets. But um, what else? Okay. Um. Oh, here's a question I wanted to ask you, and we're totally disorganized. In your article about growing up Fundy, you said that uh, you grew up evangelist. Even I keep, saying, I keep saying like Linda Evangelistica or something, but uh, <laughs> you grew up, let's just say you grew up, I grew up um, full gospel, which means receiving all the spiritual gifts. And I'm assuming you, it's similar to your. Yes. Sounds very similar. So you grew up with, you're familiar with people speaking in tongues around you. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've never done it personally. Um, You've never tried? I mean, I don't know if, I feel like if you have to try to do it, you're missing the point. Really? Um, I mean, shouldn't it be something that comes naturally? Like, like it's just never happened for me. My husband says, my husband told me, because I had missed this church service, but my husband went to a church service and he spoke in tongues. And I was like, Daniel, it's like between you and me. Is it bullshit? Like, is it just some weird thing? And he was like, well, I don't know. It wasn't for me. So who knows, you know? I've seen people who, like, speak in tongues and then somebody oh, yeah, translates that's it. that's crazy. Yeah. And, um, but... And to me, it doesn't even phase me at all. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I know that some people would walk into church and they'd hear that and they'd be like, oh, my God, what is happening? Like, this is crazy demonic activity and something <laughs> like this. But it doesn't even phase me. I just – I've never done it. Um, I'm comfortable in it, but, but uh, I've never done it. I don't know if it's – you know, I don't know the science behind it, if it's real or whatever. But, but my – but, you know, from what I've seen, it's it's – it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I grew up thinking, because I grew up full gospel, and so I thought 
every Christian all across, you know, uh, believed in receiving spiritual gifts like prophecy and speaking in tongue. And then it was only in high school that my other Christian friends were like, dude, you guys are really out of control with like, oh my that. god, and I was like, what do you mean? Like, what you guys don't do that? Like, you can't speak in tongue. Oh, I agree. I went to a church. I see my parents started moving around a lot mm. when I was like 10. So I would, I got exposed to different people in different cultures pretty early on. But, but like, I, I remember I was 10. I'd never met a cat. I met a Catholic. I met a Jew. I met a Jehovah's Witness. I'd literally never met anyone from either of those three religions before. And, and yeah, I definitely thought speaking in tongues was something that every church did, but nope, it's very, very strange practice. And, and your pastor never prayed for you to receive the gift. Um, I mean, I never walk like in my church, it was like voluntary. Like you walk up and they put your hand and like, I've been prayed over and stuff like that, but I've never spoken in tongues. Um, there's this movie you might like, it's really old and Steve Martin is the lead and I think it's, oh God, the, I forget the name, but it's about like him and like Pentecostal churches and stuff. I, it's a comedy. It actually might be a little bit offensive to Christians. Um, I grew up with all of that, like the revivals and like, you know, big audiences and we jump up and down. So it was very familiar to me. I don't know. Maybe you won't. I'll like have it, to watch but... it. I'll have to watch it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there's Check not out much. Check IMDb. <laughs> I uh, will. Let's see. What, okay. Okay. Um, let me ask you this. I asked you about your church, if they, like, saw your, like, if they're going to listen to this podcast, and I was worried. How did your friends and family, like your your mother, father, how did they, re- how did they react to your articles? Well, they would, like, the first, the first one I posted, Quiver Full of Shit, I sent it to my mom. Like, I'm really close to my parents. And my mom goes, Jennifer, I this is a good article, and I would share it on my wall. Except there's a curse word in the in the headline. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. And then they really didn't like the Jesus. Jesus hates Matt. Jesus would hate this blogger. They thought, Why? oh, because because they're like Jesus wouldn't hate anybody. I got that comment so many times. Oh. I was like, but it was just a joke. I guess you, you know? wrote Jesus would have been disappointed. <laughs> I mean, it's more accurate, I guess. Jesus would be heavily disappointed. And I was like, Not but Mom, a headline. I was like, you guys don't understand the gawker culture. I'm like, they're just trying to, you know, get a little shock into the, you know, it's not clickbait, but it is kind of just a funny headline. Well, on, on that, would you say that, like, I, I read your three articles, and I mean, I enjoyed that. I mean, I laughed, but I did think if I was a conservative Christian who wasn't familiar with gawker's uh, tone... I would, I mean, I guess it might have been, it could be, it could have been inflammatory or offensive to somebody. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know? I okay. Mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like all the Gawker writers get lots of hate mail, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I will say this. Uh, yeah, I get hate mail, but it's. I feel like it's different from the other Gawker writers' hate mail, because the hate mail I get isn't like, oh, you're annoying, ugly, fat bitch. It's like, I get like five six page paragraphs of like why I'm wrong like theologically point by point you think this you're wrong because of this how come you believe this blah 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 and and I I honestly have gotten so many I it's not I it wasn't even really some of them aren't even disrespectful they're just genuinely like debating and trying to argue with me but I just don't have time to answer all the seven paragraph 
emails. And a lot of them are just I, that they're praying for me and that I should get to know. I guess a lot of people don't even can't even tell that I'm a Christian in the articles because they say, they say, you know, I'll be praying that Jesus comes in your life. I don't think you know the Bible. I don't think you know what God is really like. And I'm like, well, no, that's not true. I grew up very religious. I grew went to a Christian school. Like, you know, I read the Bible multiple times. Um, okay, back to the conversation. What I forget whatever I was saying, but I guess so. I saw like okay after your Matt Walsh article went up, I saw that Matt Walsh had retweeted it, and he was yeah. like, you know, so tell me about that exchange. Like, how, do you guys still talk? Do you guys have a, a, a no? I tried to contact him, and I tried to like tweet at him, and he wouldn't respond to me. All he would do was write the the uh, response article to me, and you know. I know he's just a journalist. He's just trying to get page views. He's not really interested in debating me. He's not really interested in my content. He's just really interested in using the thing to get views for his content, for his article. So whatever. I mean, he's a he's a blogger. He's not a he, his theology is wrong, but but you wanted him to see your article, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Like I I mean, that was the point. Like I told Leah Finnegan before. I I was like, you know, he's gonna read this. And, and like, of course, my favorite part is when he's like, I didn't even read her article, but then he like writes an entire response article to it. I'm like, yeah, you didn't read it. I mean, I briefly saw some of your exchange with him, but then I started reading the comments underneath his retweet. My my blood pressure was just really bubbling. (laughs) I was like, okay, I have to stop. I have to to be a nice person. Nice things. (laughs) Uh, What else? Okay. I had so many questions. Like. The thing with these podcasts is, like, I want to follow. Like, I have these organized notes that I've written, and then it doesn't follow that at all. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I want to ask her all these questions. And then I sound like a dumbass eventually. But hopefully we get better. Um, The spur of the moment interview style is fun. No, it is fun. I mean, I'm having fun. I I hope that I get better. It's just I really do enjoy getting to know you guys. I mean, I feel like I'm, like, a little bit like honored to be able to talk to so many people who are so intelligent and thoughtful <laughs> and funny and kind and nice. <laughs> I mean, you know, so yes, and, and mean and snarky. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, so wait, your friends. Tell me how you, your friends reacted. Like your your are most of your friends Christian? Um, I would. I have so many online friends at this point that it's hard to keep. Oh yeah. Track. Yeah. Oh, from Gawker I have, or from just from from like I oh in the thing I was talking about, um, with with um that I have all these mom friends like from when I was on mom boards. So I have lots of friends. I feel like from all over the country, and some yeah, and and even world. I have some mom friends that are in Australia and Canada. And so I have lots of those friends, and they are so supportive of my writing. They're probably the reason I um, wrote, started writing in the first place, because they they just helped me and formulate my opinions and all of that. But but then I, you know, I have some real life friends too that are pretty that are uh, Christian, and some of them are proud of me, and they'll share my articles and read them anyway. So I've gotten a bunch of private messages that are like, "Oh, I agree with you, but I would never say so." Why? And, I know, like, I mean, I used to live that lie where I was like, I'm secretly progressive, I just can't live it. But now, like, I just, I don't think I can go back. I can't ever pretend to be something I'm not again. I mean, that's what I find fascinating, is that you guys have to be secret. 
about it. I know. Is the word liberal super derogatory at your previous church? Um, yeah, I, I feel like they would specifically say things like against Obama, not even occurring to people, you know, like maybe some people voted for Obama here. And like, like, I don't know, churches aren't supposed to be political, but you're turning the church into a political system. Don't. (laughs) Yeah, that is, mm, I mean, oh, I mean, there's a lot of questions on that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but you know, I have some friends who are supportive, some friends who disagree. But you know, like, and then some, like my family, for instance, they won't they won't share the articles that have curse words in them, but they still are proud of me. Like yesterday, my mom found some website. I it was called Scanvine, and it ranked me for some reason as like the number three Gawker article. I don't even know how they got the statistics, but my mom and I'm sure it was just like one of those spam spider bot websites that don't mean anything. But my mom shared it, and she was like, "Jennifer's the number three writer on Gawker. She's only written three articles." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" Oh, your mom's so cute. She's proud of you. <laughs> I'm proud of you. I mean, thank you. I really am. I remember seeing your name the first time I saw your name as a writer, and I was like, Jen, why does that sound familiar? But it was your avatar. Yeah, I, I I'm glad that I'm almost glad that I got because the weekend that my article went up, you know, my I couldn't, the avatars were broken, and I couldn't upload my real picture. And so I just had to leave my avatar up. And Max Reed was like, so, well, this article's going up. Sorry. And it, it was Memorial Day weekend, so all the Kindred people were on vacation. Well, I'm glad you and did. It, it kind of And then like... I think that's how you recognized me. That so is how I recognized it... you. That is the only <laughs> way. Uh, so now I'll ask you then, how did you choose your – tell me how you came about choosing your Gawker username and your avatar. And describe your avatar again for people. Um, I really love it. it would I loved it really too. irritate – not irritate, but like I would forget that it's your avatar, and I'm like looking at it, waiting. Like, what oh am I yes, waiting for? yes, it was a uh, the loading. It was the loading circle. I don't know. Maybe the it's loading I, rainbow circle. Yeah, it was loading, and it would just go around and around, and it was a GIF. I chose the avatar the strangest way. I was, I was bored at work. I had just started my new job. And I was like, well, I'm going to try to make a Kinja account and start commenting because I've been reading for so long. And I was like, I'm finally going to start commenting. And so I was looking for an avatar. I didn't want to have a blank avatar. I didn't want to have a burner account. So Yeah, what's I up was, with people with blank avatars? I know. Don't do it. I guess they just, <laughs> like, like, they just upload any picture. It doesn't matter. Okay. And, and... Um, and so I was looking through like these GIFs in my work and there was like a newsletter folder where I guess somebody had put together some sort of newsletter and a PowerPoint presentation or something. And that little icon was in there and I thought, um, and, and I thought, oh, I'm going to put that as my avatar. And I didn't even know that it was a spinny one. I didn't know it was a GIF until I uploaded it. And then when I uploaded it and I was spinning, I thought, oh, God, this is the best. I'm definitely keeping this. No, it's definitely unique. I love it. I know. And then Not Really JCM came about. I mean, my initials are JCM. My A lot of people like online call me JCM. How did Not Really come out? And I just thought, I, I started some emo Tumblr. It was like Not Really JCM. And I was like, oh, not really like, this isn't really like me. And it's just like, I guess, displaying yourself. And anyway, oh. 
anyway, for, for Gawker, I thought it would be funny, you know, like, I was going to try to be anonymous. I was like, well, I'm JCM, but not really, so not really JCM. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm now I'm Jennifer C. Martin, which is my legal name, easy to find, I, out there for the world. All future employers will be able to see what I wrote, because this is who I am, and this is what I believe, and that's who I am now, so no going I mean, back. I guess I don't want to ruin your chances at Gawker, you know, but I yeah. guess, like, you, what you could, you could, like, try to contact outside news sources and be like, hey, I'm a freelance writer at Gawker, <laughs> and I could tell you about my experiences there and what happened. It's like a never-ending <laughs> story. Funny. I don't have any gossip, though. I don't have any, like, good – like, I feel like because I feel like it's not just about being freelance, but like being away from New York City mm-hmm. just makes it so much harder to connect with people because they all live in New York City. I live in Richmond, and I know there's other freelancers – but they all chat like at Slack all day long, and I don't know. I I don't write enough for them to like be, you know, part of their little club. And I want to connect and make friends with them, but I'm so awkward, and I feel like it. I don't know. Maybe it comes off as needy, but I just really want to expand my writing career, my journalism career, and I'm trying to find the best way to do that in a professional way. But also, you know, being chummy and cool. But I'm not really a cool person. It's a lot harder. Networking is hard. Okay, no offense to soccer <laughs> writers, but would you? I don't know if I could say if I saw them off the street that they are the coolest person in the world. I mean, no, <laughs> you know, I mean, don't worry about that kind of stuff. You're right. It's it's all me. I I should calm down. That's why I miss Tommy so much because he would always be like, like he'd be like Jennifer. He's like, calm down. You're fine. He's like, Aww, you're fine. Oh, that's cute. I know. Do you so wait? Um, they all the all the writers use Slack as their uh, chatting platform. And when you so when were you invited to their? No, 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 no. Uh, I think only staff writers can use it, or like long term freelancers. And I mean, I wouldn't ask anyway because I, I mean, they'd be like, "Oh, this stranger." <laughs> I don't know. I have no. Well, I feel like Gawker is still going through lots of changes, and we have like yet to see. That's right. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the last thing on their mind is like, is what is our all of our freelancers on the Slack channel? <clears throat> and they probably don't want their freelancers to see the drama going down on that anyway. Do you think that? Let's say you become a full time writer. Are you going to forget about us? Never. I I love commenting. No, because the people, I don't know if it's just my articles because they're so personal and intense, but I get a lot of really in-depth comments. And when people share, like, their life with me like that, their stories, like, you know, I connect with what you wrote because you said this. I feel like if I have the time, I owe it to them to acknowledge it um, and Do communicate with everybody. It. I try. I mean, I, you can't do it all, no matter how Even much Even the you people try. who criticize you harshly? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. I mean, I... <laughs> no, there was what If it's a really well-written criticism, like, I, like, my favorite one was on the Matt Walsh article, and somebody was like, this is by someone who obviously hasn't read the Bible, and I said, like, bitch, I graduated <laughs> with a minor in Bible from a Christian college, or something like that. Mm. So, it just depends, but on, on really... I especially like when someone shares something really personal, I try to respond. 
And if somebody asks a question that I think I can answer, I try to respond. But I don't know if I'll have that much time, you know, um, if I get more work. Um, and But as long as I can, I would like to interact with the commenters. Um, I don't know if they encourage that or not, but... Denton says he encourages that in one of the articles I read. And then in that same article, there was a Gawker writer who complained. Um, I think it was a New York Times article, actually. And one of the writers said in that meeting that they hate, pretty much that they hate interacting with the commentary. Also in that same article, it was implied as fact that the Gawker commenting, uh, the Gawker commentary was hostile. Is the word I, I mean, I can see that maybe it's just snarky mm -hmm. and maybe it's just because I grew up with like in the video game where people called you. I mean, I don't even want to say the words, but, you know, the awful words like just for awful words for women, awful mm -hmm. words for gay people and just constantly calling names and trashing you. To me, like a little bit of snark isn't that bad. I guess it just isn't, I mean, and some of it is horrible, of course, but, but for the most part, I don't, I mean, maybe hostile, but not, I think YouTube is worse. I think, uh, Fox news is worse. I think Facebook social media pages are worse. I mean, that's true. I think Cocker is the best of all the commenting, um, options, not just the best. It is the best, you know? Um, but I mean, that's such an unfair criticism sometimes when they say, like, you know, everyone at Gawker is hostile. Because, like, I, you know, I know you've been there a long time, and so have I. We, like, scour the comment section, and, like, a good 40%, I would say, is pretty decent, you know? Yeah. With decent comments, civil, like, heated, strong opinions, but not ad hominem attacks no. or insults. No, and I feel like it's the good comments that kind of go to the top or whatever. I don't know how the ranking system works, but... But if you just open up an article, I usually you usually have to dig pretty far to get some of the the worst stuff. Or like or if there's something bad at the top, it's because somebody had a good response to it, you know, right underneath. Not just that. I think the comments at the top, like when you click show all replies, right? Mm-hmm. The comment at the top is usually the one that has the most amount of comments within that thread. Right. So those tend to be troll ones, right? Like, why did you respond to that? Like, I don't know. Why did why didn't you? And you shouldn't do that. I mean, this I see that I just passed by. Like, uh. Um, okay, I'm gonna wrap this call up soon. I always say that, and then I like talk for another five minutes. But okay. Um. Two. Okay. Two more questions. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. Two more questions. Okay. <laughs> First, have you ever changed your view based on something a commenter has said? Have you ever changed someone else's? If yes, what happened? What was it regarding? Was it ever regarding faith? Um, yes. The, I have a funny story for the if somebody ever changed my mind. Taylor Berman had written an article about um, someone who had gotten into a fight over sprinkles on their ice cream cone. And he had said, and I said, sprinkles is the worst ice cream topping. Oh, I and remember you saying this actually. And somebody responded to me. They said, no, gummy, gummy bears are the worst topping. And I completely, I was like, are you kidding? Like gummy bears are the worst gummy bear. They get all hard yeah. and chewy. I was like, no. And I was like, no, I could eat sprinkles in a heartbeat. Like 
gummy bears, I think I might throw the ice cream away, and I love ice cream. I don't understand people who put, why would you put gummy bears in your eye? It does make it so cold and hard. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's disgusting. They eat gummy bears by themselves. So Taylor Berman, change your mind on that. That sprinkles is a good topping. Um, um, topping. yeah. And then. Well, thank you, Taylor. And, the, and then for, and then for serious one, I feel like, I, I don't know if this is the same, but I did get an email from somebody just yesterday that said they had read all of my articles and that they had really touched them. And they said, I don't, I've been through so much shit in the church and I don't know if I could ever step into a church again. And, and they said to me, but this Jesus that you're talking about, that's the kind of Jesus I want to get to know. I just started crying. Like, that's exactly why I write. So... So, um, yeah, I don't know if I changed their mind, but I opened their mind at least to uh, a positive impression of Jesus. And that is everything to me. So your that response made me think of a new question. What's your favorite movie that has a Christian theme and made you cry? Oh, Jesus. And Mm. made you cry because of the affirmation of faith. Kind of movie did I like? Because I was thinking of Sister Act 1 and 2, but I, that might ones. not be the same thing as you. Do you know, when I was in high school, I watched a movie called Saved. Have I you ever seen that Saved. movie? Yes, it's so that good. That movie, I mean, I thought that movie was just parodying, parodying Christianity. And it's easy to say, oh, this is an anti-Christian movie. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the movie, no, it's not really. It's about accepting people with their flaws and finding God in those flaws. In my opinion, it wasn't like anti-Christian at all. It was like anti-fake Christian. So that movie had a pretty big impact on me and maybe even how on my faith in general. But yeah, I really like that movie. Have you ever seen This Is The End? No. What, what's it? I'll have to. You. That's the second movie recommendation. I'm going to have to get on my oh. Netflix. It's a comedy. I mean, it's a Seth Rogen, James Franco comedy. And like, it's really in poor taste. I really like it. It's really, really gross. But um, I have me and my sister have massive crushes on Seth Rogen and James Franco. They they deal with the apocalypse. It's like this Hollywood house party. All these celebrities are there, and then outside in the real world, um, you know, it's uh, I guess it's the second coming is happening. That sounds wonderful. I mean, I really (laughs) enjoyed it. There were some some people really hate it. It's not film. It's just yeah, no. Hey, if you got time, you can always watch it. I will. <laughs> uh, final question. Okay. What do you want people to know about JCM or Jennifer C. Martin using three separate adjectives? Hmm. Does hmm count as one? No. Okay. <laughs> um. Awkward. Okay. Um. Passionate and and oh gosh, this is the hardest question yet. Awkward, passionate. God. Sorry, you'll have to edit that out for no, me. No, I know. We're going to like cut the pause. And I can't help you because I don't know. I know. You don't know me. Um, 
JCM, I emailed you I, this question before. I know, I I know you emailed it to it. me. I, I thought I was thinking too hard about the other question. No, it's fine. Um, awkward, okay. passionate. Awkward, passionate, and driven. Awesome. That's a good one. Don't feel bad. I mean, I asked Baggy Trousers, and his were more simple. I mean, I was, like, giggling. I guess this is the hardest question for the two Gawker commenters I've interviewed so far. Like, everyone, <laughs> all the other questions, you guys have, like, really fluid, academic, thoughtful answers. And then I'm, like, three words to describe yourself. Go. And you're, like, oh. I know. You're asking wordy <laughs> people to limit themselves. You know, and my writing is so long-winded. I think that Leah Finian probably took close to 500, 800 words off of my article. I know. JCM, the internet, like online people have short attention spans. I know it. They know it. (laughs) They know it. That's why the editors are there. Well, I really enjoyed this chat with you. I Um, did too. Thank you so much for interviewing me. And thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be a part of this podcast. And you're a gawker commenter turned writer. So, I mean, we're so proud of you. I know. And uh, thank you. Thank you for still counting me as one of your own. Oh, no. Thank you for still. Well, I hope we don't get too annoying with like, no, you're great. No, you're great. And I don't want the listeners to be like, ugh, (laughs) shut up, you guys. But um, yeah, I will definitely. I mean, I, I look forward to seeing more of your writing. I hope I do hope you continue to push Gawker to like write more about faith. I will put some money on it that, you know, there's still interest. There will always be interest about faith, even for liberals. Yes. That's what I'm betting on. All right, JCM. I will see you on the main page. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye. All right. That does it for this week. Kittens and Unicorns is on vacation in New York, stalking the Gawker staff. She took a picture of... No, I don't think she did take a picture of Tom Soka, or Saka, whatever the fuck his name is. But she was near him, and she tried to, but he turned around because she he probably figured out what she was doing. Anyway, that's why I'm here. Because I'm here to do the outro-duction again. So, come back Tuesday and listen to me talk with, uh, what was her name? Jennifer C. Martin. That's who I will be talking to and who Kittens and Unicorns just talked to. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about her trolling mommy boards or something. I'm not sure. I said something about those. I forget if I meant if I said something on Twitter about those like silicone babies that people get and treat like real babies. Or if I was talking about the people that pretend that uh, mostly teenagers that take other families like baby photos on Instagram and then role play as if the child is theirs but then she brought up something about the whiteboards that she was probably doing it on there or something I mean probably not she's a real mother she has children that I assume exist anyway 
Come back for that on Tuesday. Come back next Thursday because I think. Stop it, Boris. Yeah. I think uh, Ken's Unicorns will be talking to Baggy Trousers from the Gawker comments. Uh, what else? Leave us a review on iTunes. I don't care how many stars, just we don't have any reviews, and I know there's people listening to this. So please, make us seem like a real show of some sort. If you want to donate us money, there's options and options on the blog. I will not be drinking. That's my duty things. Uh, you can do it through PayPal, or you can donate to our monthly Patreon account, or weekly, or I think it's whatever you want to do. If you want to donate per episode, per month, per week, whatever, you can donate some fixed amount of money on there, too. Uh, subscribe on iTunes or whatever it is you use for podcasts because you can subscribe on all of them. I swear to you. You can also check us out on Stitcher. That's a thing if you want to hear us on lower quality. Send us your guest suggestions. We are always looking for people. I'm Rob at UndressingUnderground.com and Kim's Unicorns is Kandu, K-A-N-D-U at UndressingUnderground.com. I'm running out of time. Uh, send us your short stories, poems, etc. We'll play them or talk to you about them or whatever. We'll play them at the end, though. Nice little bonus thing at the end of each episode. Or we can call and leave us a matter of voicemails. 260-PUNK-POD. You can leave us anything on the voicemail. An ad, a poem, a rant, a rave, misconnection. I don't give a fuck. Just leave it on the voicemail and we'll play it. I swear to God. I swear to you, believe me, Donald Trump's going to win the, the primary, I guess. Bye.